Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Zephcast, the show where we get to know your favorite content creators, streamers, and podcasters alike. I am your host, Zephyrs XP, and with me today, we got Twitch streamer, philosopher, and my badass of a friend. I'm talking about the legendary Cranberry Pudding. Thank you so much for being here today, dude. How's your day going, man? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Dude, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come hang out here, converse with you. I've wanted to talk with you like this for a very long time, and I'm really excited. Now we have the chance to chat about deep questions, Twitch questions, philosophical questions, just anything that kind of comes up. So usually yeah, I like to start it off with an icebreaker question. So you think you're all ready, dude? Break my eyes. <laughs> break my eyes. All right. <laughs> I will break your ice as hard as I can. Okay. Um, <laughs> so usually with icebreakers i usually do like a random generator so it's like random and fun each time the one i got today was if you had to delete all but three apps from your phone which ones would you keep and why okay so these are like like just to establish some ground rules we're not talking about because i've seen these these videos on youtube and people start talking about like oh like my camera app like that doesn't count right we're talking about like downloaded apps sure yeah like the ones you on the app store and download specifically yeah um see this is gonna be boring because i don't really use my phone so oh. i guess um you know i use the phone but I, I try to keep it like exclusively to telephone calls and text messages so sure, i guess sure. i would say the messenger app because i have a few people that for some reason will only communicate that way uh the probably Facebook the friends. discord app you know with with streaming and all that yeah and uh and uh i use the netflix app sometimes on the toilet now you know that about <laughs> me now you know that about cranberry pudding yeah that was a tough one because like so many i guess it just depends how much you use your phone because some people like live and breathe and die on their phone and other people yeah. just like I think it's a good idea to try to distance yourself a little bit from it. It's a, uh, it's an addictive little, little <laughs> thing. It never caught me, you know, like I just never had the, I, I always saw it as something that was too small, you know, and coming from a guy who grew up having to play the Game Boy while his brother played the Super Nintendo. It's uh, like, I don't want small. I want the want TV the big screen. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel that way sometimes with like Netflix or YouTube. Like, I guess I can kind of watch it a little bit on my phone, but I usually like to watch it on TV. It's just more, I don't know. Do you almost kind of feel like when you're on your phone or at your computer or on your couch watching TV, there's like specific apps or specific things that are programmed in your head? Like, I want to watch this on TV, but I'm going to do this on my computer. Yeah, I mean, now, especially i don't know about you but for me it's it's just twitch over here on my second monitor <laughs> and then like i'm grinding in final fantasy 14 or something and somebody's playing in the background and now that's how i watch netflix too and it's really bizarre i have some thoughts about that sometimes it's like what is it about being so crowded with stimulus that makes us feel so relaxed uh it's a weird thing it is a weird thing um yeah i feel that so much with twitch i usually have twitch on like my ipad right below in front of me and it's like always watching somebody stream and sometimes you try really hard to focus on one thing like work wise but it's oh it's so easy to get distracted uh-huh absolutely <laughs> um recently i just started playing uh doom eternal on stream like a month ago and right when i started playing that i just got like triple monitors as well and so it was just like I, an overload of stimulus everywhere. Cause like the game, have you played Doom or Doom Eternal? 
Well, yeah, I played through Doom 2016, and then I played like 25% of Doom Eternal, and I hate to say it didn't catch me. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's so fast-paced and intense yeah. and in-your-face everywhere. So it was just like, my brain was just, it was not having any of it. There was so much going on. <laughs> and the music, right? The music oh, in those so games? so intense. It's so like... It's coming from everywhere and it's loud and it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's a wild ride. There is definitely such a thing as too much stimulus, like brain wise. I feel that. Absolutely. Um, so kind of stemming off the icebreaker question, the first real question of the podcast, who is Cranberry Pudding, the streamer and the person behind the streamer? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't even know whether I know, uh, I think streaming uh in some ways has been a part of a journey to figure that out uh because i think over my life i've been many things uh and i know that that easily changes so who am i i don't know the guy in front of you the guy that you see on the monitor for now that's who i am um but really there's not a whole lot to me that i don't show on the camera either i really love the games that i play i play music sometimes i yeah. i'm interested in in social issues politics philosophy uh i really just put it all out there kind of unafraid whatever happens happens kind of thing i i respect that so much and i feel like a lot of people don't do that and don't open themselves as honestly as maybe they would like to maybe some people are comfortable having that filter and you know, not going balls to the wall, crazy being honest, but like, it's so refreshing when you hear somebody just speak their honest, blunt truth, whether people agree with it or disagree with it, or it offends or, or doesn't offend. Like there's just something so like honest about being honest, so good about being honest, you know, it feels good, but it can, it can be a double-edged sword because, yeah. you know, especially on stream, if you're talking, you know, you're letting your thoughts out and when you're not talking and letting your thoughts out and you're by yourself, you can formulate these thoughts. You can mm -hmm. stew on them. You can sleep on them. Uh, so whereas when you're having a personal dialogue, you can allow yourself time to change your mind. If you said something one time on stream, that one person's going to remember that one time you said that one thing. And even if you've evolved in your views slightly since then, so it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. That's one thing that really frustrates me about nowadays with people I don't know if it's just social media or the culture or whatever, but people are so unforgiving of people making mistakes or saying things from the past. And you can say something, in, you know, something really negative or whatever 10 years ago, and people still bring it up today. And it's, do you ever think or feel worried about the whole cancel culture kind of philosophy, anything like that? I think that we, if you watch it sort of progress, I think it's already peaked. I think what we yeah. will do about it, it, because look, in my country, in Canada, our prime minister dressed in blackface three times. The most recent one was like 13 years ago, like not that long ago, you right. know? Uh, so eventually we're all going to realize that if we're going to do this to one person, we're going to do this to everybody. We all right. have a dark past at some point. We all did something, searched something, said something that somebody sometime in the future will find offensive. So I think it just has to be this wave of what we're doing right now and then everybody will realize it's ridiculous. So the answer is no, I'm not worried about it at all. I'd be more worried about lying about something to save my skin. That Ooh. would make me feel worse, I think. That's a very honest way of looking at it. I feel like I think a lot of people are are still scared of 
getting canceled or just saying whatever's on their mind being honest about it and, and offending somebody but i agree like there's going to be somebody everywhere that's going to be offended by everything so i think if you just have such a tight filter on yourself it can it can get in the way of who you are as a person you know yeah no i know yeah for sure um kind of on that as well what originally got you interested in wanting to start streaming on twitch well um you know i think that originally i thought that i was pretty good at street fighter 5 hey. and uh you know it turns out i got on twitch and started to realize i'm very very much mediocre in the group of people that want to do it which has been big such dogs. a good thing because well yeah because then you start to play with the big dogs you start to get bit by the big dogs so it was kind of a cool thing you know i guess it was an attempt at reaching out to people that uh, i thought i could learn from so maybe that was why i started streaming and then something hit me to just play final fantasy games yeah it all kind of barreled from there that's where i met you and that's where i met porto and there's just it that's where it all kind of cracked open um and then it's kind of just it's out of control since then so i have no <laughs> idea where it's been going since then but yeah i think it actually started just from wanting to be more involved in the street fighter community Dude, that's super cool. Uh, like a, a lot of people I've talked to streamer wise who started on Twitch, um, a lot of people actually similar story. Like they really, really enjoyed a game or a series and wanted to just play it live and, you know, maybe play with some people who are better than them um, or even just like meet people in the community and form relationships and friendships. So it's really cool how there's, you know, for, for you, it's Street Fighter. Um, for myself, it was definitely Final Fantasy. I was really yeah. excited for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that was the game where I was like, I, I wanted to record my reaction to it, but I'm like, why not stream it as well? Like, what's the harm in it? And then, yeah, I think, honestly, I think you and Porto and Cage Shinigami, you know, Cage huh? as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think the three of you are like my longest, 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 like friends that I've met on Twitch, like literally top or like oldest 10 or whatever. So it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. Like where you start on Twitch and kind of seeing the progression from it and seeing people who started a similar time and maybe just fell off for whatever reason, decided to stop streaming, which is totally fine. Like life happens, oh, yeah. millions of things happen, but it's like, it's cool to still see you and Porto, you know, kicking ass and uh, streaming. It's, it's, it's really awesome. Honestly, I call it the old neighborhood. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, where the people first set up their shops around your shop or whatever. Right. And now you go visit other shops, but it's the old neighborhood, you know, like the old neighborhood. I love that. Um, yeah, that's how I always envision that. I listened to your podcast with uh, both of the episodes with Porto. One of the things that really stuck to me was when you said, we we're talking about like favorite games last year and you mentioned cyberpunk but i oh, know yeah. you talked about final fantasy 7 remake having like an extra strong hold on you like the opening mm -hmm. music the crescendo and everything kind of starts getting tears in your eyes what were your thoughts on final fantasy 7 remake did you enjoy it when it came out it's kind of like uh bittersweet you know i've i've got something against this whole just rehash uh remake everything that we have yeah everything's a remake of a movie in our lifetime there's been like three spider-mans already you know like how much Series. how many old ideas do we need to bring back and just make it look more shiny but final fantasy 7 is such an endearing game that looks 
the only reason we think it looks good is because we remember it looking good. It looks <laughs> god awful. It's like Legos. It's worse than Le it's like worse than Roblox right now. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Uh, it's bad. It's bad. Um, and there's such a deep story to tell. And now they're, you know, they're not afraid to make these changes, move in a separate direction, have the what, what were the I forget what the ghost things were called. The whispers. Yeah, the whispers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I liked it because mm -hmm. I thought it was like, okay, you wanted a remake? Okay, this is a remake. You like shit you ain't seen before. Like, right. uh, yeah, so, you know, I thought it was amazing and it's it's got me so excited. The only thing I'm upset about, uh, it's probably going to be a PS5 exclusive, the second part. But that means I got to buy a PS5. Yeah, I, honestly, like playing through it, I was actually telling my wife this yesterday, I think. Um, Cause I've been playing it on my off time, like hard mode just for fun and playing through it. It felt like it was made for the PlayStation five, honestly. Like it felt like it was a PS five game with all the graphics and fidelity and everything they wanted to do. And maybe it was the investors or maybe it was the time frame it was coming out. Like we have to release it now. And they kind of like had a scaled back graphic version of it for the PS four. So ever since I've been playing it, I'm like, I just, I feel like this was a PS five game that they made come out six months early you know um yeah yeah for sure i mean i think it's a it's a company square enix that's worked with sony for a long time right yeah. since final fantasy 7. um so they have loyalty and i think sony is doing everything they can right now with with the way that xbox positions itself in the market yeah. as the family system it's the one that makes the most sense in the family units household you know right. what i mean right uh yeah sony's gotta try something you know with microsoft buying bethesda and all that right. stuff uh so sony i think is throwing money at square enix being like yo give <laughs> us those exclusives right yeah it's it's um yeah it because it's not only that it's also like god of war is a ps playstation yeah. exclusive like last of us uncharted um like horizon zero well horizon zero dawn's been on the pc as well so kind of but it started as as playstation but yeah. yet in terms of final fantasy 7 remake i'll probably say like spoiler territory right here for anybody that hasn't beaten it um did you have any opinions on like some of the ending aspects of it how the whispers were incorporated um if it is really a remake or if it's like a sequel have you heard those theories yeah i mean uh that game and this is so cliche i'm sure everybody says this but I mean it, it means so much to me that, uh, and I think, I think they know that. I think we do ourselves a disservice when we say, when we think that they don't know how much we love the game. Yeah. So I don't think they're just going to. They know we want this game to be good. Yeah. It's not like Zach's going to join your party and then Aerith's not going to die and Red 13's <laughs> going to turn human. Like, it's not right. going to be like that. All the same things are going to happen. I had this crazy theory. This is my crazy theory. The whispers. Okay. That's us. Yeah. The fans. That's, us. That's the fans going, no, don't change it. We want it to be the same. Right. That's don't kill Barrett at the end. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, think, I don't know. I, I think Tetsuya Nomura has come out on record and said that like the whispers are 
the fans trying to hold the original game intact and they're wanting to not make it a one for one hundred percent like perfect remake they're wanting to essentially have this break the cycle of the game you've played a million times and take it in a new direction in the same world you say that well he talked about specifically the whispers being okay. like the fans to the ones trying to hold it back but yeah i mean at least Sorry. when i'm playing through it again i'm like this just feels like it's almost like when you start a new game plus or play a, the game over again and again and again it's the same game in the same world with the same story beats and everything so what if it's just like this eternal reincarnation like in the video game world itself and sephiroth somehow has figured out a meta of like breaking past it and he's trying to diverge this new game plus into a version of the game where he actually wins it's very well, meta it's very broken out of there but i don't know there's a lot of questions about final fantasy all of the games right because there's a lot of evidence to say okay well this final fantasy world lives in this final fantasy world and this yeah. one is is in this one and they all share a lot of these things so and in this game there's a lot of sort of time bending so if it exists in the same universe how could they not they could do the same thing in seven you know there's a lot of final fantasy takes a lot of liberties and why wouldn't yeah. they it's mod it's modern painting right i've always been under the impression that final fantasy is like the name of the world and all of these stories one two three four five six seven eight nine ten all of them are just like different chunks of time throughout this world's history whether it's ten thousand years in the past a hundred thousand years in the future you know 20 years in the future like whatever the final fantasy game is it's it's i've always felt like that's why the chocobos are in every game the moogles are in every game ifrit and shiva and bahamut and all of them they're all in this game together but it's like all the characters and story beats and you know maybe it's gone a long enough time where the continents kind of shift and maybe that's that's going in a whole rabbit hole in and of itself but i've always thought like just the world itself was final fantasy well that's what final fantasy 14 does that's yeah. what it makes right and it just does that and then the company goes and it's canon so yeah <laughs> here it is you just beat final finished final fantasy 14 not like finish finish but like you beat the main story game right yeah well i've kept up to date with it now i've I've got myself up to the latest patch and then and then in november comes the new expansion what are your thoughts on the entire encompassment i don't know if that's the word but like the entirety of final fantasy 14 does it live up to the never-ending hype that everybody always preaches about yeah, it's a never-ending Final Fantasy game. Uh, <laughs> and it's yours to explore and do your way and be the Final Fantasy-type character that you want to be. And it's it's not just like an MMO where it's like, okay, map your buttons to these three keys and you just hit those and move out of the way. Like, there's a rich story and there are hard mechanics and interesting boss fights that really make you kind of like... Uh, Work? Oh, damn, this is hard. Like, this is actually really a real game, you know? So, yeah, no, it's for me probably my favorite Final Fantasy experience out there right now. Wow. Wow. Even better than, you know, would you say seven is your favorite or maybe like second favorite in terms of this? Or is like eight up there, nine up there, 10? Seven, six, and nine have always had a special place in my heart. Uh, you know, I mean, I grew up, my first, well, one of my first NES games was Final Fantasy one when I was like four. Hell so yeah. it's been in my life since day one. Um, so they all have a special place in my heart. It's so hard to say which one's your, <laughs> your favorite, right? I've played them all. They mean so much to me in so many different ways, even the ones I don't like.
yeah can still find uh, things about them like i feel like as i've gotten older i've really started to realize that more and more is there's no such thing as black or white it's just all a yeah. mixture of gray and sometimes you know like for me final fantasy 8 as an example i played it twice it was good there was some things i did really enjoy about it but it, it wasn't compelling enough to make me want to go back and like replay it again um but I, there was a lot of great things about it i love like the music and it was absolutely phenomenal um a lot the yeah. way the graphics like intertwined with these cgi movies back in the time even till today is still pretty impressive to watch um but yeah in terms of like story and characters and stuff didn't really quite hit with my cup of tea but that doesn't mean i hate it it's just still a good game you know absolutely yeah and it's yeah there's always something for everybody somewhere it right. just may not be everybody's go-to adventure that they want to go back to all the time right and that's kind of how it is did you like final fantasy 13 at all um better the last time that i played it which was last year was the best time i've ever had playing it yeah like i really just separated myself from any preconceived notions and i just tried to like play the mini game try to get the the good battle scores you know like i really leaned into what the game wanted me to do and i ended up having a lot of fun with it i don't yeah. know if i'm craving to play it again anytime soon but i had a lot of fun with it yeah it's like that spectrum right like might not be all the way on the edge but maybe like more on the i enjoy it side i'd play it again for sure you know uh did you play this trilogy there, or just 13. just 13. i had no one ah uh, uh, the, the sequel games get out of here yeah, yeah. like 10 2 and what 12 2 or something yeah it's like bambi 2 and like you know like <laughs> Aladdin 2 and yeah yeah uh they can't all be toy story 2 they can't all be toy story 3 you know right. so i actually honestly really didn't enjoy again you know spectrum don't love it or hate it but like i really did enjoy final fantasy 10 2's gameplay and battle system it was pretty addicting it was like the job system of final fantasy 5. everything else though i mean maybe could go without but i really 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 loved the the battle system it was very fun to play that's what everybody tells me so uh i have yet to play it but hey maybe next april fools right exactly um yeah. so kind of on that as well i know we talked briefly about cyberpunk for two seconds um yeah. as maybe your favorite game I, I when i listened to the podcast with porto you had mentioned that it was either your favorite game or really high up there in favorites eight months since it's come out or eight or nine months or however long what are your thoughts still on it i haven't played it since i made that statement yeah so look i still think it's a great game uh um why i haven't played it i think it's a big commitment and now it's a big game I, uh, it's a huge game it's hard to stream and like uh, man if i want to stream for i don't know six hours i don't want to stream that but then when i'm done streaming i don't want to like sit down for five more hours and right you know work at cyberpunk so do you think 14's kind of taken that like big game world experience over for you I think for now it's easy it's uh it it doesn't really make me search for a new feeling every day like what's gonna motivate me and what are people gonna want to watch uh this has motivated me again i like the place that's usually the best formula don't you find right it's all about the story yeah. and, and just whatever draws you into it um yeah the graphics of cyberpunk punk though like when you run it with some like good hardware oh it looks amazing 
Yeah, I mean, I had an amazing time playing it. I think the voice acting is incredible. I think the story is good. You know, I know not everybody loves Keanu Reeves. He's not everybody's cup of tea. He's a yeah. bit of a dramatic guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a bit of a Nick Cage type, you know? <laughs> I'm going to deliver lines like this because that's how I'm intense. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but, but like, if you, if you drop... Him, wanting him to be anything other than him then it's amazing because it's like okay just give me that for 30 hours i'm good do you think there's going to be more there's actually a game coming out with vin diesel uh, there's like a trailer i saw of it and it's they're like taking their exact likeness and making video game characters out of these very famous actors like we saw with keanu reeves um there's a new vin diesel one i can't remember what it's called off the top of my head but when i saw the trailer i'm like dude that's vin diesel like holy crap do you think that's going to become more and more common over the years they're going to take like famous celebrity actors actresses and transform them into video game versions of themselves i think they're going to try but uh sell I their likeness time only time will tell if if that's what gamers really want you know keanu reeves is keanu reeves so i don't think you can put meryl streep in a video game and ha get the same reaction right right uh maybe no offense to meryl streep right <laughs> but you know it's just to say i you know like th that's a very specific kind of actor and they've done it with other actors in the past martin sheen in uh mass and mass effect 2 oh. that was epic back in the day um but you know it's okay it's something something that they got to tread lightly with the first time i see a will smith triple a like looter shooter game it's like count me out that, yeah. that's i'm going the exact opposite <laughs> of that opposite direction of that uh that game i think almost makes you wonder like how much of the marketing team is involved in like we want this game to be big, so let's take a very big celebrity actor and just kind of stuff him in there when they could have transformed their likeness into an original character. So, yeah, the thing is, movie movie stars they sell things for three months. They don't sell mm. things for four years, and you right. want your game to last for four years. Right. Right. So, uh, I think it'll be a mistake if they do. But I bet you we do see a couple. Uh, Maybe a Tom Cruise came coming out, you oh, know? Mission Impossible or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of those like actor superhero, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like the Vin Diesel's and maybe like Dwayne Johnson, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I could see Will Smith in a video game. I don't know. That could be kind of dope. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, it, could, it could be, but it's got to be like, you know, if it was like a really good looking, you like, I, I remember watching you play the Spyro game. Those that yeah. game had the best graphics. If they had a game with those kind of graphics and it was like the Fresh Prince and it was like a platformer, <laughs> that would be. Dude. I'd play that Will Smith game. Dude, that would be awesome. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, dude, Spyro is such a fun game. I I love that Nintendo has that kind of philosophy with their games where they don't focus on like I love super realistic graphics like Cyberpunk with the ray tracing and the shadows and the lights and the water reflections and like I'm always blown away by that. But there's something so beautiful about Nintendo's simple like Zelda Breath of the Wild or like Pokemon games that are so yeah. cartoony, but they're so beautiful in and of themselves. They really have stayed true to the formula that first comes the game then comes the looks right yes first yes. comes the game and i think it's funny we're talking about that right after talking about like putting actors in your game right. i don't think you'll ever see nintendo putting chris evans in mario because 
first comes the game, right? Yeah. I, I think it was the original director of Zelda. I can't remember. Uh, Miyamoto. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he said like, Miyamoto, I think, yeah, he said specifically with like rushing games, like a, a good game, oh, like always takes time. Like a bad game will be bad forever, but a good game, like with time will, will solidify. And they really do focus on that. Cause especially when you see games that like are in their library, they always focus on just making it so much fun and like putting that perfect amount of balance and like the gameplay and the fun of it versus you know graphics and show offy cgi trailers yeah um nintendo does a really good job at um like when a when a nintendo game isn't that good it's just because it's not as good as like the last one that was right. just so good you know what i mean right. they never make a bad game everything they make is a good game guaranteed uh, that's how they get away with selling the things for for full price for its eternity. But... Oh my goodness! Like my wife and I we went to Target a few weeks ago, and no shit, they're still selling Mario Kart Seven for the original Wii for forty dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like eh, I know they never go down in price. They never do. Or if they go down in price, they're like for the holidays for five dollars off or ten dollars off something. Yeah, exactly. Do you think there's a game out there that everybody seems to universally love that you just absolutely don't get, can't get into anything like that? Mm. There's not a game that comes to mind. Uh, game of Thrones was that for me <laughs> on TV. Didn't get it? I could, didn't get it. Never got it. Oh, I, I watched three seasons of it and it was just like just a bit too much incest and just <laughs> like here's the things that everybody watches wieners and boobs and incest and it's like that's cool but like i just picture george R. R. martin like all short writing his little <laughs> horny novels you know like this is gonna sell a millions uh it just didn't do it for me so like but game though um i might have to come back to that because there's got to be one What's like a big, like, I know for me, it'd probably be the Witcher three. I've tried a oh, couple yeah. times to get into Witcher three. And I just like, I, I keep hitting a brick wall, like 10 hours in where I'm just like, I don't know about this. That's a good one. Cause that I feel the same about that. Really? I've tried to do, I've tried to stream it twice. Just, just fall face flat on it. At about the same, at about the 10 hour mark. Yeah. It, interesting. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's just these huge massive games i have to go into them with like in my head okay you're going to be spending you're going to be playing this game for the next three four months like this is yeah. what you're playing and if you go and at least with me i'm like if i go into it thinking i'll play it for a couple days i'm immediately going to lose interest yeah and i think maybe the size and the scope of the game is something that i failed to understand hmm. the first two times i tried so i think you gotta i think you're right do you think there's yeah. such a thing as games that are just so big and large they're almost shooting themselves in the foot a little bit with like these hundred hour magnum opus titles like persona 5 or the witcher 3 or skyrim where like i always think about the last of us the first last of us it's such a beautiful tight concise game that's like 20 hours or less 15 20 hours but you just can always replay it over at least for me i can always like replay it over and over because it's so short and sweet and it's there's so much stuff to do in it versus in yeah like persona 5 that is that's a that's a relationship right there <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean i think you know the only 
I think that Skyrim is maybe a bad example there because literally they've sold that on the last three consoles right right and probably Still. the next three from here <laughs> and, yeah exactly it'll just be installed on your next cell phone you know when you get it um no i no the answer is no i think that they the more the larger they make it the stronger um solid small solid community they can make around it and it's those tiny communities that really make the game massive yeah you know, and I think um, when you have a game like Skyrim, you have all these modders out there that are made that oh, turn yeah. it into, you know, like Iron Man versus giant dildos. And it's like, OK, that's my Skyrim experience now. I guess I'll play that. Right. So people just keep going back. want to play that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Tom's so the train no, one, right? I don't think it's a, I don't think they're shooting themselves in the foot, but I think that sometimes. I think the good creators like like i guess i'll say bethesda good creators in bethesda i know that won't go to go over well with some listeners <laughs> um but you know some of the bigger name creators uh they do these things well but i do think there are some companies who they let the story slide a bit too much for their own good they don't understand how important like a good narrative is like you would find in the last of us or like you might find in a final fantasy game uh yeah but but there's got to be a market for somebody that just wants the blank face superhero right right that's true you know some people that's just want to wake up in the morning and hear hello orc you know drop me <laughs> some wood exactly they just want to like live in a world i feel like for that... goodness sake people play animal crossing right oh god my wife's obsessed with it <laughs> it's that is just living in a world it is i mean especially these mmos you know like wow and final fantasy that's the biggest reason i've been so hesitant with trying final fantasy 14 is because i really think if i touch it it's just going to consume me because i've always wanted to like live in a final fantasy world with chocobos and just go riding on chocobos all day and i'm like well there it finally is do i really want to do i really want to sever my life ties like that <laughs> pretty yeah, much fine. i mean it's it's a commitment you know i think people that are successful at playing mmos and having a normal life don't play any other game yeah that's right their bread and butter because you can go home and make a normal life out of after work eating dinner and playing for six hours that you can make a totally normal life out of that yeah right and, and you can get good at the game like that so but you can't uh, play one hour a night and then go do a stream and then go hang out with your buddies and then go spend time with your wife. Unfortunately, that's not that compatible with the MMO lifestyle. Very true. Very true. Yeah. It's, it's just such a time commitment, a time sink. Um, I had a boss a few years back and he, he said like every night when he'd go home after work, he would play four or five hours of, I think it was, I think it was League of Legends. Like that oh, was yeah. his, his just time sink. He just turned his computer on and just everything else just disappeared from his peripheral. So it's kind of really cool that games can do that now. It's kind of scary at the same time, too. Yeah, it's very scary. It's very scary. Uh, 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 you know, I don't mean to get too conspiracy theory, but it's just no, no. kind of Genshin Impact was one of the big ones. League of Legends. These are all Chinese companies. We're constantly being told to, you know, Huawei is bad. We arrested the Huawei girl, but buy more Chinese software and, yeah. you know, uh it's it's a weird time it's a weird time give all your emails to these chinese companies because the games are free <laughs> oh yeah, free, it's a free stuff time. is is definitely not free stuff and people need to know that 
You, oh yeah, it, th- it costs your info and your time. I think the scary thing is so many people know that free stuff isn't free stuff and just people just don't care. Now there's a lot of people who just really genuinely don't care because all they want is free. It's hard to see the consequences when, you know, uh, in, in, uh, in the early 1900s, it was credit card or it was, uh, it was mortgages for like entire farms in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s credit cards in our generation, we're loaning out information. Yeah. Like we're taking, we're taking free, we're taking things to fill our time by giving them information. So, uh, yeah, eventually they're all going to have a profile on us and we won't be able to do anything. I've actually had the conversation before with people about like companies say they don't access your, you know, cause we've all been in that situation where we're thinking about a product or an item and we just go on Google or Facebook and just the ads are right in front of us. And maybe we're conversing with a friend about like, Hey, I've kind of been thinking of buying a new guitar. And then you go on yeah. Facebook and all of a sudden you're getting guitar ads and you're like, what the F like, yeah. why? And the one you wanted to, right? Yeah. Right. Um, no, actually, so I have a friend, I went to a, a friend's wedding back in October and one of the guests there who was in the party, the wedding party, he worked as a senior VP of marketing for a large Canadian chain that sells, oh, it's kind of like, a, you know, those hardware stores that you might find in the smaller communities that sell like pool toys and hardware stuff and sure. sort of, you know, a little bit of everything. Yeah he sells he he kind of markets to that chain or is the vp of marketing for that chain anyway point of this story is he was telling me he buys information from the weather app and that information from the weather app will say okay well cranberry pudding was shopping at our store and then and then his location changed from our store to walmart and then he spent more time at walmart interesting Interesting. So then they're going to be like, oh, they didn't like the price of the lawnmower at our store. So he went and spent more time because there was maybe more selection. And then they take that information and figure out how to market better to you. Oh, that's scary. And that's really <laughs> scary. And then so I remember asking him, I was like, so what? Like you could access like you have my name and you can associate me with this. And he goes, well, no, not really. Not us. The Weather Network can, but not us. We can just associate it with a number. I'm like, but that's essentially the same thing. Right. Right. right like is it going you based may off not of, know my name but is it going based off of like location data or cookies or it's location data so it's like you know Wi-Fi, if you spend Bluetooth. exactly so or when you walk into mcdonald's the wi-fi goes on right or right. whatever right or your data is just pinging right so yeah like hundreds of times a second like you it, yeah. the phone looks off it looks turned off it's not doing nothing but it's secretly talking to dozens if not hundreds of different things every second yeah exactly so uh yeah it's just the new sort of like it's like credit cards we think this is all free stuff but (laughs) it won't be yeah credit cards are interesting that's a whole beast in and of themselves um in terms of like streaming on twitch one thing i at least wanted to mention um yeah there's a lot of philosophical questions i wanted to jump in with you as well but one thing on this one is what do you, would you love to see about Twitch? Um, like, or sorry, what would you love to see change about Twitch compared to like other competing platforms? Cause I remember specifically from your conversation with Porto, y'all talked a lot about censorship and that's something I'm pretty passionate about as well. Um, do you think Twitch is going deeper into like a censorship rabbit hole, cutting people off with terms or what are your thoughts on all of that? 
first and foremost, I think like as a general rule, I think that censorship on the internet as a whole is a bad thing because uh, we have an opportunity here to, to, to not copy what we grew up on TV, having to be sent watch and have it be censored and by goodness, we can't see a nipple until we're 20 or whatever, you know, like, right. Maybe we just turn, we just reconsider what is okay for people to see right in their lives. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's a, it's a wise move to repeat history's mistakes in any way, shape or form. I think the biggest problem with Twitch is they need to be consistent. Yes. Cause the problem is they just, you, somebody's banned for something and then the same person does something seemingly way worse and they're like, but you're day good, ban, you know? right? Um, but I know that'll never happen. I know that a successful business like Twitch has to keep as many ends as open as they possibly can, right? right. Uh, it, it has to be an ever-changing thing, unfortunately. People generally are of a nature where if they had steadfast rules, people would just try to ride that line as hard as they could, right? And it would just be more of a headache. So in some ways, I kind of get that Twitch wants to keep it ambiguous and wants to say, we have the power to smack you if you're being an a-hole. Uh, but there's just been too many shady, shady cases where it's like, that's clearly they weren't being an a-hole. This is clearly a, um, what would you call it? Favoritism. Um, yeah. Like a, like a power move. Yeah. yeah. I mean, writing that line of what's okay and not okay is literally a perfect example would be Amaranth because she oh, yeah. looks at whatever the rules are and just pushes those boundaries up against the wall as far as they'll go. And yeah, she's making, you know, thousands of dollars a day for herself and for Twitch. And, you know, they, they she should, it's a weird line because like, I, I'm like, I, I think it's totally fine for people to be able to express themselves, make money with their bodies, like all of that stuff. Like you do you, you make the chatter, you know, if, if people want to pay for that content, if there's a market for it, go crazy. But at the same time with these platforms like YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and all of them, like they have to have some kind of boundaries, you know, that if people cross, they got to get kicked, kicked off the platform. And when those people are just constantly pushing the boundaries, like eventually they got to go, you know? I agree, but you know, but the she's money. a smart woman, she's right? She's very smart. She, uh, she's figuring this out. She's, she's the one telling them, okay, put your boundaries down. Right. right. Uh, got money on because, one hand and like boundaries on the other. Which one are you going to sever? Yeah. She's got them by the balls. And, uh, you know, it's, it that doesn't change the fact that like, like good on her. I wish I was in her position, but right. it doesn't change the fact that they're still shady. They right. still act shady to other creators and they don't, most of all, they don't really present, uh, uh, present a sense of security for the people using their platform, earning them money and, trying to earn uh, a living you know yeah. especially when it's people who just work this this is what they do right this is right. their living uh and they have expenses right like running shows like this can be expensive so uh yeah i think the other thing uh, people don't realize too is like 90 percent of twitch's revenue comes from not even like the one percent but like the 0.01 percent like the top 500 or top a thousand twitch streamers make twitch almost all of their money so they're of oh, course because yeah. so they're of course going to give them special treatment and extra wiggle room and all of that stuff compared to somebody who's you know 
averaging 10 viewers and they're like oh you know something slipped over there we're just gonna knock them off right away and nobody will you know we won't hear anything of it so it's very power power moves all around yeah but yeah it is and it's it's trash but i would say to most people you know if you're if you're a, a smaller streamer you know like i am it's uh just just follow your heart and if you're yeah. if you're true to what you mean and you you're thoughtful about what you're saying you won't have any problems any none no problems at all uh uh just be a good person and that's it and you can say whatever the hell you want to say it works so kind of going down saying whatever you want to say what um on the philosophical side of things because i know you do put in your bio that you study philosophy right in school yeah yeah um I, I know a little bit about philosophy. I took some like humanities classes in school and have been like reading some um, like terms and ideas and stuff. And I'm always super fascinated with just really thought provoking ideas. Uh, what in particular got you interested in going down the philosophy rabbit hole, going into school and majoring in it? What kind of stemmed that part of your brain where you're like, I really am interested in this. Let's learn more about this. Uh, it was, it, it all started in, well, a long story but basically to sum it up a little bit i've worked a lot of jobs where uh i ended up being sort of like either middle or manager of the group of poorly paid employees gotcha, gotcha. right so i've spent a lot of time around poorly paid employees trying to raise morale uh in an ethical way where there's no reason for them to be happy because they're getting paid like shit yeah and they're being overworked so uh i've spent a lot of time in that like that dark feeling with people that have nothing but financial stress and then alcohol problems and all kinds of things and then when i was studying in school i kind of had a couple of professors that were talking about uh like early thinkers and and uh defining happiness and uh defining happiness as 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 a way that we live uh in the world what we need to be happy uh but not like a scientific view because a scientific view might talk a bit more about caloric intake a scientific view view might talk a little bit more about vaccinations and things like that which is fine and dandy and those are really important things but for me uh it, I think I wanted to explore maybe a bit more of a, well, I want to say spiritual, but no, not spiritual, philosophical side sure, sure. of uh, happiness, um, which also lends itself to spirituality in a, in a way. But, um, you know, I guess it was to uh, discover the human condition, <laughs> I guess. To be able to see like deeper into what it means to be human almost, or to be able to figure out what questions to ask to get there. I think I see when I look out into the world, I see us finding a lot of problems, uh, having this huge sense of um, solitary, uh, solitary confinement, sort of socially, uh, feeling yeah. cut off from a lot of other people being told that we're like this. So maybe we should listen to these kind of people and we're like this. So we should listen to these people. We're kind of told to find groups and separate and, and you know uh, from everybody else and talk to the people that are in our own groups 
and uh, it's created a lot of loneliness and a lot of lack of meaning. And there's a lot of vultures coming up trying to poach people to go to a side. And, yeah. you know, there's brothers over here for you and there's people over here for you. And I just think that it's a lack of of meaning in general for people. And I think meaning can be found by turning our heads away from our rat race pursuits and looking at happiness and looking at things like, you know, uh, flourishing. You know, that was a, that's a really old philosophical term. Like, uh, well, uh, Aristotle talks about eudaimonia and flourishment and the flower flourishes and becomes a flower while well, the human needs to flourish too. And what does a human need to flourish? Music, conversation, education. Uh, it certainly is not... Uh, an eight-month ticket into heavy machinery driving, and you do that for the rest of your life. Right. That's not how a human being flourishes, but that's how our world is built. Uh, and I think I wanted to... Th I said, yeah, I got one life, right? I could go work as a chef. I'm certified as a chef. Uh, wow, if I really? wanted to do that as a job, I could, but that's not what I want to do. I've got one life. I don't want to cook somebody's spaghetti for the rest of my life. That's <laughs> it's a waste of my life, even if sure. I could make more money at that than I could sitting around pondering the existence of my belly button <laughs> from the spaghetti. Sure. Yeah. Do you think that you see a time in the near future where all of those very, you know, almost just the, the big gears that, you know, grind through the economy, like the truck drivers and stuff, like they're going to be automated at some point in the coming up future. They should have been already. Think so. Oh yeah, I think we're, we've been putting it off because jobs. We don't we don't know what to do with this economy because because the people at the top are not ready to say, oh yeah, we were supposed to dump all this money into this robot economy and then everybody was supposed to live a utopia, but we don't want to do that. We want another Maserati, right? So <laughs> another we, yacht, we, you know? Yeah, well, that's truthfully what it is. Or we want to go to space, which you know, it's not for me to decide whether. Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos going to space is a good or bad thing, but but what is happening is people will be out of the workforce and looking for not only financial gain, but meaning uh, when we're going to have a, a deficit of people and finding meaning in their life. That's a really good point, honestly. On one hand, one guy gets to go to space. And right. on the other hand, a guy can't pay his internet bill for a month and therefore cannot talk to anybody he knows. Yeah, um... What yeah. do you think would be the solution for that? Like, cause there is massive wealth inequality all throughout the world, but like, especially I just more and more people who are in that point zero, 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 one. It's essentially the billionaires, the billionaires of the world are getting richer and richer and richer. And, you know, mil 1 million and under is getting poorer and poorer and poorer. So what do you think would be the solution in a robot economy? Do, have you thought about any kind of ideas? Would is UBI the solution in that regard? Well, something like that, but but like first and foremost, you know, you have to think of your society as as uh, okay within a society. The way that people act is their culture, right? And a culture comes from the word cultivate. It also has shares a word with uh, cult, so never forget that. But culture cultivates people, and you want these people that you cultivate to be not only productive but good, healthy, beautiful, like you do in a, in a, in your garden, right? right? You want to treat your city and your community the same way you treat your garden. 
Hmm. Uh, so you have to start treating the people in your community like flowers. So just like you give your flowers free water, you need to give your citizens free education. Not free. People work to give education so you can raise a, pe a, a people who are educated and then they will take care of the elderly because they're smart enough to do it and take care of their own raise smarter. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Just keep raising smart, smart, smart. Uh, I've never understood people who who just are against free education or public education or just getting your fellow humans to a smarter level because if everybody around you is smarter, if you're smarter, if the entire society is smarter, things are going to be better universally pretty much. So when people are like, I'm against, you know, public education or I'm against, uh, you know, just taxes providing for free education, I'm like, that is literally a benefit that will long-term transform our world entirely just getting people to be smarter to create more things smarter engineers smarter people in the stem you know it's it's i've never understood people that are against that but yeah the ideal world everybody pretty much wants the same thing and that's what they want to work as little as possible they want to enjoy their life as much as possible everybody wants the same thing that's a utopia. The idea of a utopia, speaking of philosophy, has been drawn for thousands of years, right? Some visions, it has people on the ground with their bellies massive, they're pouring beer into their mouth. Like <laughs> some, for some people, that's utopia. For others, it's painting, mindless sex, whatever it is, right? But right. all these things have been depicted. So it's safe to say that everybody wants an easy, pleasure-filled pleasure life and one that doesn't have a lot of pain and pain is often associated with work that isn't really work that you want to be doing right in the servitude of others I, i'd say uh, i'd say though like in that regards don't you i feel like sometimes we find the pleasures of life because we've had struggles to get there like it's almost a yin and yang balance of you have to have some struggle to be able to appreciate the reward at the end I think humans will struggle given the opportunity, but I think we're too busy struggling on things we shouldn't be struggling with like to actually minimum struggle wage properly. jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, you shouldn't struggle to pay the electric bill. You shouldn't struggle to pay to to keep warm at night. We're, we we should be a, a society that's past that. Uh, I do agree. You should you should struggle to create a business that is competitive. You should struggle to create music that is that is challenging. You should struggle to create content on the internet that is good. That we should be affording society the chance to struggle that way. I agree. But most people can't afford to struggle like that. They don't have. They can't like take that chunk of their brain power and focus it on that because their entire brain consumption is focused on working that 14 hours a day to be able to pay their bills, to be able to provide food and to pay the electric bill and all of that. Yeah, you got mom and dad who every single month, they can't pay their credit card bill, so it goes up. So actually, just by living, their credit card bill goes up by a hundred bucks a month. That's right. just by living. And they don't know what they're gonna do about that, but that's the way they have to live. How can you ever possibly expect them to A, live happy, healthy lives, and B, teach their kids how to live happy, healthy lives? You can't. Where do you think personal ownership comes in the sense of everything? Like versus, because because I, I definitely believe so much of what you're saying. I think at the other time, there's also a point of society where we want to push away ownership of any kind of problems or anything that's been drawn upon us and say it's somebody else's fault or it's the government's fault or it's it's blank things fault. Um, 
Do you think we as a society need to take more ownership of our personal responsibilities while simultaneously working to have a government, a society that functions for the needs of people every everywhere? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> End of sentence. No, uh, yes, yes. It's There's time. A combo it's of the time two. Well, because nobody wants to take responsibility for anything, right. and that, that that doesn't exclude anybody of any color anywhere. Nobody wants to take responsibility for something so heavy as oppression or as uh, wealth inequality. Nobody wants to take that on. It's heavy. Uh, and some people say, you know, as long as it happens after I'm gone, fine, whatever. But we can't just keep right. leaving it to the next generation because it only gets worse. Uh, Snowballs. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, somebody has to take the responsibility for this and sit down at the table. Uh, you know, it's going to come a day. Well, you know, maybe we'll, we, will, we will never see this, but like imagine the aliens come to Earth, right? And like we try to explain to them like why we're fighting with over tax dollars and education, and they're just right. like, "So wait, you guys don't like you guys because." Meanwhile, we're up here flying, um, right, traveling okay. the galaxy at light speed. Yeah, no. Uh, well, you know, this is. I guess it, this could get pretty hippy dippy, but it's not like that. <laughs> it's not peace to all, man. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now about this. No, I, I, I'm very much in that. Like, I think there has to be some kind of combination of, and, and it doesn't even have to be like, it should be the really big topics, you know, like oppression, wealth inequality, all of that stuff. But even like the more macro, like specific to you kind of stuff, like maybe a maxed out credit card, you know, maybe it was the banks being predatory or doing things they shouldn't have done and X, Y, and Z and all of that. But I feel like there was a point in my life a couple years ago where I just looked at everything in my life and I was like, I take ownership for everything, whether it was my fault or not, it's my responsibility now and I have to take full ownership of it. And even, you know, when I was in a situation with maxed out credit cards, you know, I took that responsibility and said, I need to find a way to cut these down, to save more money, to slash expenses somewhere, you know, even regardless how tight we are, we have to find money somewhere, even if that means working more and saving more or, you know, just cutting certain things out. And it seems like a lot of people I've talked to, you know, whether coworkers in life or friends or family members, not a lot of people seem willing to do that. Like it's always, it's always their fault or this person's fault or, you know, the Republicans fault or the Democrats yeah. fault or just X, Y, and Z's fault. And I'm like, maybe it's just, you need to look inside and take some, not all, but maybe some personal ownership and say, where did I go wrong? What could I do better? Let's go from there. You know, I think that, I think that, you know, take, take a credit, a credit card is a great example. You can look at it in two ways. You can say, you know what? I need to be better than to, than to go down this path and allow myself to do that. But that doesn't mean that you can, that you have to stop saying banks are fucking predatory. Yes. Yes. Uh, true. Like the fact that if I don't have money in my bank account, and they try to take out a payment, then they're going to charge me $45 for being too poor to yes. pay a bill. I get charged. And then they try it again the next night. So there's $90 it's for expensive being too poor. to be poor. That's it. I think it, I think yes. it's, it's, there's a lot of predatory shit that goes on that, 
and they catch people when they're young. They caught me at like like a week after I turned 19. The bank was calling me and like, yeah, you can this. And they're like, this is a good idea. This is a really <laughs> good idea. Yeah, everybody has these, you know, a game console, a bunch of games later, you know, it's like the statement says twenty one hundred dollars. It's like, OK, I got nine hundred dollars left to buy fast food. Right. Right. You're 19 years old you're making dumb decisions right i think a big oh, part of it is is like i don't think a credit card specifically is the problem i think it's like a tool kind of like a flamethrower you know a flamethrower could be used to to light the campfire and keep you all warm or you could burn down the entire forest with it and if you don't teach somebody how to use it the proper settings for it, it you're most likely going to burn down the entire forest and yeah at least from the American side of things, we have like very little financial education here of talking about mortgages, interest rates, credit cards. You get like kind of a brief overview of if you cut out your Starbucks coffee every day and save that money for 800 yeah. years, you'll be as rich as Warren Buffett bullshit. But like <laughs> yeah. you get that talk, but like you don't get the talk about like how to use credit cards properly, how to use loans properly, how to get bank you know, mortgages and stuff like that properly. And essentially when you're a 19 year old kid and they're like, Hey, here's $2,000 on this. Yep. Most people are going to burn the forest down because they don't know how to totally. use the tool. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and not only that, like, you know, we also tax the poor harder. So, you know, uh, things like cigarettes and alcohol, it's like, yeah, th those are, those are classic poor people comforts. That are meant that should be cheap because they're fucking killing you you know like and we tax these things but only well not only poor people do them but the majority of poor people are doing this and then we think oh well but it's bad for their health so we got to tax all these things no we just put more penalties on being poor than we do on being rich that's uh, a, that's the government in a nutshell is like let's let's yep. just tax more on this problem and put a band-aid over it as opposed to like ask why are so many people buying alcohol and alcohol yeah. skyrocketing or opium problems maybe in, we should look into the core root problem of that and see what we can do to fix it and alleviate the pain as opposed what? to just like yeah let's just throw more taxes on them they won't buy more cigarettes if they're ten dollars versus eight dollars no they'll still buy them oh, even if they're, they're $10. heavily addicted to them right? right and they're gonna buy them when they're at 16 bucks a pack because right that's the only like they work two jobs and they have one thing at the end of the day that's their cigarette that's their meditation moment right that's right. the one moment where they get to feel alive as a human being and they're not in the servitude of some asshole who's running a bar or something like that you know but and, no the government wants a piece of that too and i'm not pro like cigarettes or anything like that no, but, but, I, am I. but yeah i think i think drugs and like i'm very pro drug legalization of of just like every kind i'm super libertarian when it comes to drug use and all of that and i think it's very odd that we live in societies that just exclaim and proclaim this you're free you're free you're free but if you decide to use this chemical in your body i'm going to throw you in jail for it you know versus when you can go get a, a liter of alcohol and kill yourself with it like that's totally fine and kill others with it uh, yeah exactly um uh yeah but you're free to live in our world is what it is that's yeah. what that's what freedom is on in the western world not just in the united states in the western world it's you're free to live the, in our society it's like bumper guards like if you're bowling there's like just a little bit of bumper guards on there you know yeah well, you know, a lot of it's done in the name of Lord and Savior, and a lot of it's done in the name of uh, 
good ethics and a lot yeah. of it's done in the name of uh patriotism and capitalism yeah. and god all, all and... Different, yeah all different kinds of reasonings that people have for thinking that their choices are the righteous choices you know i do agree i, I do yeah. agree and i mean like i'm not anything i'm not like super anti-capitalism like some people i've talked to like i think the the world in which we live in now with you know you know poor people having flat screen tvs and iphones and and just really expensive yep. stuff like that like that is because of capitalism but sure. like everything in life it's not black or white just because you know poor people have an iphone and a flat screen tv does not mean you know the bill gates and warren buffett and jeff bezos of the world shouldn't be paying more and their fair share to help other people no and think about it yes the poor people of the world have computers laptops and cell phones or whatever laptops and cell phones but but don't forget to exist in this world you have to have a phone and a laptop pretty much right so the, that's that's kind century, of like yeah. saying oh you know like we we should be so proud of ourselves we live in a world where we have refrigerators right. nah homie, we should be past that is what i'm <laughs> saying right like we've already created a world that requires you to have access to the internet it's kind of like going back to when we were talking about banks, right? Mm -hmm. Canada, at least, if you want to have any sort of job that, where you get paid properly, you have to have a bank account. And in Canada, there's like five bank main bank accounts or banks, and they all respond to the Bank of Canada. So in order for me to get paid, I need to have an account at one of these banks. So jobs if can't pay you in like a paper check? That's not a thing? I don't, I think, well, maybe you could, but where are you going to cash that? Right. Up here, you, right. you've got to, you got to either cash it at a money mart or you could cash it at a bank. And I think like 20% of Americans or 15% of Americans don't have banks. So like coming from this perspective, I'm like, that's, that's fascinating to hear. Yeah, no, not up here. Uh, and then you have to pay fees every month for it. And then, like I said, if you don't have enough money, they charge you for that too. So there's yeah. kind of a lot of things that they force you to do in order and force is a big word, but no matter, like, yes, nobody's <laughs> holding a gun to your head saying you have right. to have a laptop to get a job, but let, just let's be honest with each other. It's the world we live in today is run on the computer. True. So, you know, uh, it, I don't look at cell phones and laptops as luxuries. More my like gaming PC is a luxury, but yeah. my $299 Asus laptop that I bring to school and type on, that's a necessity. Absolutely. Yeah. Same with the yeah. internet, same with the electricity, same with, you know, AC, if you're in a really hot place or, yeah, I totally agree. Um, up, It's interesting here in like Washington state area, eight, a lot of eight places don't have ACs, but if you go, you know, to the South, like it's, it's very much required to have ACs. So, oh yeah, yeah, it's very interesting in terms of like more on the philosophy side of thing. Are there any specific named philosophers that you've like looked up to or read a lot of their works that like really have inspired you cranberry? Yeah. I mean, Aristotle is kind of like the, the guy OG. that I always go back to, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's been some, I actually like a lot of the writings of, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau and Thomas Hobbes, both of their works on their debate of the necessity of a sovereign, so of a head of state, right? Uh, like a president or a king? or Could be a president, could be a king. You know, in, in your guys' instance, it is the president. In our instance, it's the queen. Uh, just having this figurehead that is important, that represents people. Uh, and, you know, they've had some interesting debates about 
you've probably heard the Thomas Hobbes quote. It's life in life in the state of nature is nasty, brutish, and short. Yeah. Uh, it's the famous quote and Rousseau's. Uh, and so because of that, you know, uh, you need a sovereign to guide the way to sure, run society. Sure. Right. We can't do it on our own. It's too hard. And Rousseau, on the other hand, would say uh, man is born free, but is everywhere in chains. Uh, yeah. So you're born free, but you can't move anywhere without without dragging a ball around with you somewhere. Right. And arguing that we need to cut all those chains. Right. We need to be left free in the world, you know. Uh, so those guys, John, Jean-Jacques Rousseau and Thomas Hobbes, those are guys. Those are interesting guys to study. Um, and then maybe a more recent guy would be. Um, Christ, I forgot his name. Oh, his name is uh, Alain de Botton, and he writes. Uh, he writes kind of. They're a little pompous, but he writes. Uh, he's got a good book called Essays in Love, where he just really sort of breaks down every feeling of love he's ever had, even if it's tiny, if it's from a woman he met at a cafe and just fell in love for fifteen minutes, or whether it's his wife that he's been married to for fifteen years. Or a Does puppy. he put lust in that love as well? Just like whatever. Whatever, could be whatever love. love then translated into interesting interesting right it's kind of uh, fascinating the good and the bad yeah uh you know because all of this stuff i'm a very sort of existential guy when it comes to philosophy it's all about the human condition like what is the purpose of all of this if we're not happy right you know things like that the dark philosophy as they would say right yeah the stuff <laughs> that drives people mad um but it all comes down to Aristotle because he was the guy, he was the guy who said in life, you need to pursue happiness. This is like the, the line of the pursuit of happiness comes from him. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that happiness is found within the pursuit, not there is no end goal. You'd never find happiness. Happiness is the pursuit of. Right. Right. So making yourself better. And it's like going back to what we were saying uh working two dead end jobs is not the pursuit of happiness right. that's you're not allowing people to have the good suffering right the good suffering is learning how to play the piano learning to run a twitch channel these you know a, a marriage raising right. dogs these are good sufferings these are like the lessons that you want to learn because they make you a better person in life and they they, they help you become the person you want to be yeah uh, and that's the pursuit of happiness right not the american dream of two shitty jobs two two shifts at taco bell in one day right yeah um yeah i used to work at a job similar to that you know i made a little bit more money but it was still just like impossible to move up it was you know getting yelled at from every which corner about sales quotas and and customers yelling at you and systems that were just complete and utter shit and it was just mind numbing driving home at night and i'm just like Oh, if an alien zoomed down and beamed me up, I would be so happy right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Take me. Take, Take me, me, please. Um, yeah. What do you think? Here's a really broad question. What do you think is the meaning of our life? Do you think it is that constant pursuit of happiness? That's the whole meaning for forward that everyone should strive for. I think there is no meaning to our life. So you have to create it. Hmm. Uh, because I, I, I think... I think humans have a tendency to think of ourselves as something much more important than we really are. We are as important to me, uh, we are as important as the leaf on that tree outside. We are as important as a blade of grass. We are like in the spectrum of the size of the universe. We are yeah. nothing. Right. right. So true. So, so true. 
we are only as important as we can make ourselves. That's it. Uh, so I think the meaning of life is to find your, is to find your meaning in life and to live that unapologetically, uh, no matter how many people tell you it's the wrong way to live, because chances are if somebody is so focused on you having the wrong way to live, it's that they're doing it wrong and they're just upset that you're not suffering the same way they are. So true. Um, yeah. When you tell people that uh, is a lot of people who end up forming companies or forming businesses or ideas, a lot of people kind of give them some hesitation when they tell them that they're leaving their job to pursue a dream or to pursue something creative. And they're like, are you sure you want to do that? There's so many things that could go wrong and fail, but like humans are so obsessed with failure in such a negative light. Whereas failure is not good or bad. It's just whatever you make of it and whatever lessons you learn from it. And same with succeeding. Like you can succeed in a very negative way and you know, win by very bad examples and become very cocky and self self full, like full of yourself in a regard. Um, and you can fail beautifully and learn from it and, you know, make adjustments and succeed next time. So yeah, you know, it, failure is interesting. I'm kind of upset with just how many people take failure as such a negative when it's not. Well, I think you have to look at what, you know, what, failure means to them does it mean that you've lost time to earn a bit of money that you can put away in an rsp i'm not sure what you call them down there but like a retirement savings thing right, right? right. or or a 401k or something like that i think right. you guys call them you know like are they thinking about lost time lost investment opportunity sure, and it's like sure. but maybe i'm thinking of i don't want to be 56 and think i should have played in a band when i was 20. <laughs> like right. like it's a failure to look back on your life and think I was too scared to try something. That's a failure. No rod failure is not <laughs> trying to do something and realizing and it, trying to do something and gaining the wisdom of a, this is too, this is harder than I thought. Uh, B I need to work harder at this or C I'm really good at this. Right. Those are all lessons that you could learn. Uh, and they're all really good lessons to learn. I agree. I very much okay. agree. Um, in the grand scope of things, do you think there is an inherent order in nature or do you think all of this is just pure chaos and chance? I almost think now that I read that and like said that question almost in a alternative way to phrase it is like, do you think there is possibly a, a God figure kind of bringing order to everything? Or do you think literally it's just explosion of big bang and everything that you you and me here in this conversation and everything else is just happenstance I've always believed in what i now know to be uh, a version of the philosophical god which means i've never believed in a white bearded dude in the sky ever that just never made sense to no me no zeus but <laughs> but yeah no exactly no zeus no nada like that but like but maybe but the point i guess i i'm trying to make is that like let's say we can let's say we prove the big bang well the philosophical then the big bang could be the philosophical god because what caused the big bang and what like nothing be before has to be something and th that could be some sort of plan and maybe this could be on a on repeat but to a certain extent it just doesn't matter right like so grand that, and big yeah i don't I don't think maybe there is, and I just don't think we could ever understand it. So I've never seen a point in attempting to understand it. I've only sort of 
tried to think like i don't know i trust humans to to have to look inside of them and sort of try to be a reflection of what they how they want to be treated and if they do that then then you're being successful and and uh no no there's no divine order i don't think it's i don't think chaos so. and chance but there could be yeah but there could be i just i just don't possibly see how i could know because i only experience my own consciousness i don't experience yours for all i know you're just a robot oh man i have had this conversation with people before especially like about consciousness in the sense that yeah. the only thing that i know a hundred percent for sure is true and certain is that there is somebody behind my eyeballs that yeah, I whether feel, it's you or not whether it's me or not or <laughs> something there like that's the only thing i know that's true is that there's somebody behind my eyeballs and this yeah. is all me but yeah I, i've talked about i talked about this on stream a couple days ago like if if this is all true that i know but what if this whole entire world was a story or a game or some kind of simulation or something like for myself just me as an example um because i know like my consciousness is real but maybe there this world is filled with NPCs for myself and other people, if they experience consciousness or not, like I'll never be able to fully truly know. Do you know that your consciousness is real or is this all just being created by the second, right? Like did anything yeah. that actually happened before what's happening this very second actually happen or do you just have me these memories of them, right? Yeah. There's but no possible way you could know that either because if that were the case, then you would just think you knew. Right. Maybe we're, uh, it's just, we're waking up every day in a brand new game. I mean, do you think there's like, what are your thoughts when it comes to the simulation theory and all that stuff? Well, it's just a roundabout way of saying again, like the divine order thing, it doesn't matter Yeah. because <laughs> I can't get out of it no matter how hard I try. Uh, uh, not that I'm trying to get Unless out you're of anything, Morpheus. but like, no, but like, you know, no, tomorrow feels like today and it always feels like yesterday like so it so it's a constant i know that it's coming i have 24 hours to do something because that's what we've organized it and it's mine it's the only thing that's mine is your this time. isn't mine this could break and then i have nothing right 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 this like the my vape isn't mine and nothing is mine uh except for the decisions that i make uh so I'm not going to let, even if somebody told me, no, there is a divine order. I'd be like, nah, that's my order. I'm not going <laughs> to let anybody take control of the one thing that I've got. Do you not believe in fate? Do you believe more no. in like, your, like the destiny's not written, you're plowing your own way forward? Here's the thing. If I believe in fate, it's the fate. It's something so much larger than, than me. I think I am far too insignificant to have any sort of fate, to have any sort of bit like meaningful impact on maybe i could have a meaningful impact on human society that we have mm -hmm. created in the things that we look for in terms of success but it's such a long shot to have any sort of like impact on the existence of time and space right so i can't believe that that even if something has planned a path for me, that that path is significant in any way other than to say it it makes something else work. Right. That maybe on our planet turns into Jeff Bezos, but really in the grand <laughs> scheme of things is absolutely nothing to the world, to the universe, you know? Right. I mean, that some people even argue that with the aliens. Like, even if aliens are real, would they 
are we just the ants on the anthill like how much yeah. yeah i mean how intrigued are they to come to our planet and just see you know tailless monkeys just bombing each other and trying to kill each other and starving each other just for more of this cur they call this dollars and currency or whatever and yeah. um i mean but on the flip side of that you know we get fascinated by chimpanzees and you know we get fascinated with butterflies and insects and stuff so maybe there are aliens out there fascinated just with watching this crazy ass show called earth we're fascinated with life so that we have every we, and life that we see is also fascinated with life right? right dogs cats like you know um i heard somebody describe it was a philosopher once say like there's nothing more life affirming and you would know this because you have three dogs than when you are alone ish or just like in your like say you're with your wife and your three dogs in your this is your comfort zone there's no tvs or webcams or anything on sure, sure. and you're sharing a look with your dog in the eyes and they say like in the body when you do that it releases uh it it tells your body not to release so much cortisol so you lose stress so you're empathizing with this other living thing yeah. even if the dog can't say hello it can't say anything doesn't really need to there's you're still empathizing. that connection about breathing and how hot it is and how comfortable you are you know so you're having this communication so there's no reason to believe that life outside of earth wouldn't just be fascinated with other life like every piece of life on earth is fascinated with other life you know so do you think there's life in our solar system um yeah but nothing like i think there could be but nothing like what we may want it to look like like single cell organisms living in the oceans of Europa or something. And that's where I think is the best chance to find it for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I definitely think there's life in space for sure. I definitely think there's civilizations, huge civilizations. I just, it doesn't make sense for there not to be, but. Isn't it fascinating that like a hundred years ago, if you would have said that exact same sentence, people would have thought you were batshit crazy. And now a day's, probably the majority of people over 50% think there's oh, yeah. at least something possibly out there. You can't just with the information that you could just get by going on YouTube, you can, you can know, you can understand the size of this of space, right? Like, or you can try to understand the size of space. It's physic. It's impossible to understand the size of space because you've never seen anything bigger than the sky. Right. And the sky is not even, a pixel on Jupiter when Jupiter fills, fills a whole picture, right? So the, uh, the pale blue dot. Yeah, exactly. So we can't recognize the size and scope, but once you try to wrap your head around it and you realize how many planets and stars there are out there, it just doesn't make any sense to say we're the only one that had happened on. Yeah. I mean, even if but we may never meet them. Right. Right. Especially if they're right. in like other galaxies, like there's yeah. probably not going to be even millions of years in the future, it's going to be incredibly difficult to ever go from the Milky Way galaxy to another galaxy. Um, yeah. Outside of like maybe wormholing through space, that's the only real possibility. But like even light speed travel, which is the fastest thing that we're currently aware of, um, even light speed travel would still take tens, hundreds, thousands of years just to cross like the street to our fellow star neighbor. Well, isn't Andromeda like 2,000 light years away? No, which is it's like 2 million. Okay, there you go. So yeah. 
yeah light years <laughs> traveling yeah, at the light speed years. of light <laughs> so yeah i think i you know and going a little bit off topic here but i think that like our our desire to search in space is an important thing to do yeah like i didn't mean to sort of demean uh richard branson's thing where he went up to space i thought that was badass yeah. uh and you know when he said like man i just wanted to do this ever since i was a little kid it's like there's a part of me as much as i'm not a huge fan of billionaires and this this shit that's going on on earth can relate. that wanted to do that you know like right. that'd be sick i wish i had the money to go up to space i've always wanted to see space you know uh if somebody offered me a a, a maybe one-way ticket to mars you know it's like i can't guarantee you come back i'd take it in a heartbeat dude cranberry same me too man like what a what a life that's a that's meaning in life you're right? an explorer you know? that's so yep. human yeah uh it's meaning and it's 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 doing something and feeling like you're part of a growing ah that's that'd be so cool nasa's gonna watch this and be like i found our first two volunteers <laughs> let's exactly. go but yeah i mean like that's it's such a human characteristic to just want to get on the ship and travel across the ocean with nothing in front of you maybe falling off the edge of the world and dying but maybe yep. finding something glorious and something that's just unknown so yeah that's I, I would also take that. Um, I'm yep. so incredibly fascinated with space. Yeah, that they offered me a ticket. Like maybe not the very, very first ones because let them set up camp and everything. But after that, I'd be like, you know, a lot of people have died on Earth. Nobody's really died on Mars. So why not? Okay, then I got a question for you. And this is yeah. going to be a hard one. I'm coming at you with a hard hitting question. Let's go. You get your ticket to go to Mars, okay? They let you take one of your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that is a mean question <laughs> um ooh. the other ones you can leave it you can leave in the care of other people you know they'll be safe you know they'll be alive but one of them gets to be the first dog on mars first dog on mars oh i love them all I equally so i would probably just randomize flip a one through three like honestly <laughs> They can't understand English. They can't understand English. Oh, well, I know they can't understand English, but like, honestly, deep down, I mean, I love them all. Like, as soon as I start thinking about like, like Layla, I'm like, oh, but I love Ellie, but, oh, but I love Booker. And I don't know. Uh, Ellie's always been really close to me. Like, she usually kind of follows me around a little bit extra more than the other ones. So maybe her. She's not as rambunctious and you know hippity hoppity as Layla and Booker are she's a little bit more low-key so I don't know but I I would probably just randomize one through three and be happy with whatever or be sad with whatever <laughs> all right that one was for the common sense comment section in your chat now they got something to, <laughs> right. to rag you about for the rest of your time I thought you were Dog gonna ask if they if like if you could bring wifey or not or like what oh it, no I was assuming I wouldn't I wouldn't go that deep <laughs> <laughs> I mean that could be a deep question like if if you had a ticket to go to Mars but had it was only a one person ticket well that'd be a deep question it's easy for me because I'm not in a relationship yeah. uh and I've had this conversation with my family since I was like 18. I've let them know since <laughs> I was 18. Like if I, get, if I get a ticket to go up there it's I'm it's out. happening oh yeah just so you know I mean I feel like uh, it's it's the I don't know it's the you, they want to use the word mature or whatever to say like I have to stay here for my family and everything but I don't know at the same time it's it's there's something so internal and powerful pulling about just being first or being an explorer or or doing something so grand that because like I don't mean to dismiss 
you know my wife or like families or whatever but like so many people have had families that's that's an experience in life that so many people have had but to travel to another planet is something incredibly rare so i don't know that would be yeah. a tough one yeah i mean well i think i think if it wasn't tough for a person to decide that you would you should check your humanity <laughs> right. you should go to dark souls and get a humanity or pot and pop that you know because like seriously like you should you should ask yourself if that doesn't excite you i mean maybe this is me being harsh on people that just aren't interested in that but i'll say yeah. it anyway if if that doesn't excite you then then maybe it's me that doesn't understand you on a human level but i i'd have a hard time being like truly believing somebody saying they wouldn't want to consider that no i totally agree and, and i think like if i if i was on one side going like oh yeah i'll just go to mars and screw her whatever i don't care about her or on the opposite side like i'll definitely stay here screw going to mars but i think there's just such that middle point where both are like so at frat or friction with one another where i don't know i don't know I, it's, I, it sucks having to make a decision it would suck to have to make a decision where you know you will regret it either I, way exactly either way That's, if you stay on earth you will think about it every single day or if you go either way you'll miss yeah. her every single day yeah right and especially if it's like this is a one-way ticket you are not coming home like it's yeah, like yeah. oh man do i choose myself an adventure or do i choose the comfort of family and yeah she's probably gonna but watch this and be like you asshole but i'm just being honest <laughs> no but i mean i think i think you know even even if and i don't want to speak for your wife but it's like even even if her answer was quickly no i would stay with you i'm sure everybody can understand on a human level it's like but it's like saying like you know uh i can't think of a good example but you know it's like it's like the old trope of the dad selling his camaro to buy the minivan for his for the family you know uh he'll always regret selling that camaro for the rest of his life you know but <laughs> yeah you know and so you can always understand you know life is suffering as as the buddhists say you know uh so it's it's about that's a meaningful way to suffer is to have a decision that that incredible you know just right. the opportunity to have that decision where you have to decide between two incredibly important things people should be so lucky to have that opportunity I totally agree. And maybe, I mean, maybe in our lives, maybe not anytime soon, but maybe towards the end of our lives, that decision will be something that people will be able to make. Yeah. Geez. We'll be the last, you know, this is, I have, I have a, I have a theory that in my hometown, at least, uh, I was looking out at, beside me is an old folks home and it's a really nice one. It's like on the hill looking over the town. Nice. It's where the rich ones go. <laughs> Uh, and so I was looking at it with my dad and I was just kind of saying like, I don't, I don't know what those are going to turn into when you guys are gone, when your generation is gone, because my generation can't afford that. Mm. Nobody, th those are just going to be broken down, abandoned old places, you know, that maybe people will just, well, maybe, you know, people just break in. They can't afford to buy these things. Right. Uh, uh, it's going to be Mad Max out here. We're just going to break into all your old luxury stuff and sit there. Um, <laughs> yeah who knows what uh what opportunities we may have on as we're older but we may be the last people to inherit these earthly uh old folks homes maybe maybe i mean here in the u.s like there was massive home buying going on by like big 
this is this is so messed up to even just talk out loud because it's so frustrating but like big giant investment firms like blackrock and fidelity like they're buying up houses all across the united states just with the sole purpose of re-renting them right back out to people so we're essentially becoming a nation where you know extremely super wealthy individuals and wealthy corporations own the houses and that, that was like the one sliver of hope a lot of people had for building wealth is most wealth in this country from the 90 percent of people was through real estate it wasn't through yeah. 401ks 401ks was like a chunk of it but most of it was yeah. through real estate and now that's just being ripped out from under us as well yeah well same is happening up here and yeah. actually you know there i know there's there's a lot of talk in canada say the middle upper class to the upper class talking about buying property in the states too yeah. right so like this isn't just for sale to the rich people in the us this is just for sale to rich people around the world yeah. right and it's the same in in british columbia where i live you know uh they're inviting the chinese over with their loads of money to buy the houses they're inviting the rich people from california to come up and buy houses and no one can live in the house in the city it's way too expensive this is uh, it's super prevalent in places like like vancouver is like the yeah. san francisco of of canada from what i hear and toronto is you know up there with like manhattan for pricing yeah. and stuff so yeah well, and where we live in particular on the pacific northwest right mm -hmm. that's that's just known for being incredibly inflated in in living cost right uh, it's like the most beautiful place on the planet it is gorgeous pacific I northwest is amazing <laughs> Yeah, like so many people have tried to tell me, you know, we should move to the East Coast. I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even right. from the Pacific Northwest originally, but I just moved here like 10 years ago and I've just been in love with it ever since. There's, there's literally everything. There's snow, there's heat, there's rain, there's the ocean, there's, you know, the hills and it's yep. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And you can just drive like three hours that way and there's the Rocky Mountains. Like it, everything is there. It, it, no matter what you yeah. want to do, it's within three hours drive. Uh, it, there's a forest fire burning at every corner. You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> Ain't uh, that the truth? Yeah. Um, a couple more questions I did have for you. Um, I know we were talking a little bit earlier about technology. What are your thoughts of technology weaving itself into every aspect of our life like social media smart watches home listening devices self-driving cars you know i mean eventually we're going to get like glasses that probably have ads built into them or whatever we've already got them right yeah pretty much uh, i mean i think it's inevitable uh i think the internet and the computer the, the internet and the internet device is what i should say is the greatest uh is is a greater uh revolution than the gutenberg press right uh than than the printed word this is this is free information for yeah. everybody uh this is free social groups for everybody this scary is... thing is free disinformation as well yes that's true um it's a wild west which is why which is why i think it is a society's duty in this day and age given given what is afforded to us by society's uh marketplace if you will to use a to use a uh, philosophical term where like socrates used to stand in the marketplace and scream his bullshit yeah uh well that's what twitter is and that's what facebook is right right anybody can stand up on the platform and yell and 
it's not about how loud they yell. It's about how many people hear it and yell it out again and repeat their chants, right? Right. Uh, so, you know, I think it's integral to keep up. I think this technology fuse with our lives is integral if you want to exist. I mean, you and I both are now learning to or already understand the importance of monetizing different parts of our lives, right? That's part of streaming is like, okay, I'm going to try to monetize my game playing. Now I'm going to, mon right. you know, like, and everybody does these. How can I monetize my hobby? Some people monetize sex on the internet. Some people, you can monetize every part of your day if you choose. Right. Uh, and I think it's going to be just get more and more like that, you know? Uh, but at the cost of ridiculous advertising and privacy concerns are just privacy completely gone. It already yeah. is, but like even more so. It'll be like that movie Demolition Man. <laughs> one, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Here's a really deep one that I, that I've really thought a lot about, and I'd love to hear kind of your opinion on it. Do you think humanity should pursue endless immortality, or do you think part of being human is the fate of death awaiting us? at the end of it. I think what makes me important as a human being is that I am not important. That it's that like, I am as important as the blade of grass. As I said, I'm as important as the tree, as the sheep, as the bear, as the buffalo. We are all as important as I, as, as, as each one of us. And <clears throat> somebody being important, say as a cheap example, somebody like Bill Gates, maybe Elon Musk, they're only important because we deem them important. And so we are important insofar as we can deem people important. Uh, but but I don't think there's anything for me outside of being born in 1986 and dying in 2000, whatever year I die in, right? Like, I don't, like I was, like I said, sort of, I can't get past the arrogant and pompous way it makes me feel to think that I'm somehow important on some sort of grander scale it just doesn't make sense to me there's too many humans for it to for it to be like that and i take great comfort in thinking that way because then that puts all the power from uh, that puts all the onus and responsibility like you were saying uh of finding happiness on me and i'm not restricted by any creator or destiny or anything that is that I'm, I'm not trying to find out what to do. I just rise to my the expectations to, of whatever. Yeah, follow your nose. To to, to quote a famous poet, uh, he Sam Dukan. If, if given uh, the opportunity to like take a, a potion or whatever that would give you immortality, would yeah. you take it? No. No. I think, I think eventually you would go insane. Yeah, you'd lose your mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's only so much change a person can take in their life, I think. Uh, you know, every decade we kind of reevaluate ourselves and people make the big deal like, oh, you're 30 now or you're 40 now or you're 50 now. And, right. You know, we reevaluate. What do we learn and how much different am I from what, from 10 years ago? And do I still make these dumb mistakes that I hit myself over or ah, I'm not making those mistakes that I used to hate about myself, you know, so every every so often we, we we become wiser and then i think in humanity we reach a point where we stop learning and we start to dig in our heels a bit on the things that have helped us be successful and then that's when it's time for us to shut up and go 
because we're no longer representing forward move in humans. And I don't mean we should just hack off everybody's head when they're done working and whatever. It just means that's when it's time for us to stop sort of trying to project our vision of healthy life for others onto others. Yeah, we have a huge and problem it, with that in society is like what I think is good. You should follow the exact same thing. We have a big problem with that. We do have a big problem with that. But but, you know, it's because people invoke uh, either a righteous being or they say that there is no such thing as relative uh, morality. M morality is just a static thing that exists. Right. right? It's like uh, I can't get down with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's just not like that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And and it, like, just I think as I, it's interesting. I feel like the older I get, the more, I wouldn't even say the more you learn, but using the word wiser, the wiser one gets, the more you start to realize just how little you know, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the old saying. Uh, all that I know is that I know nothing at all. Uh, yeah. That is the wisest thing a person can, can, can know of themselves, but but then man sometimes will start to say, I'm wise because I know that I know nothing at all. And then all of a sudden you're becoming very ignorant to, to the fact that you are blocking out things that could make you unwise because you believe you found the ultimate philosophical wisdom. It, that is, I have an open book, Right. you know, I'm so open that I'm just so perfect. And it's like, no, it's wise to know nothing, but it's like, you've closed that one part that allows you to, to be imperfect you right. know so it's a constant balancing act and i mean i know i keep saying it over and over like the spectrum or the black and white but just once i started looking at life like that that the, like there's there shouldn't be a zero or one option or a what's what's it called binomial or like bi well, like two options binary binary like, yeah you know yeah zero one Right. Like just everything is shades of gray and, you know, you can fall, like you can look at some of the worst people in history or some of the best people in history and find pros and cons with all of them. So, well, you know, the thing, I, I wouldn't even look at it that way. I would say we can all find people that we look at as geniuses and people that we look at as villains in life. But at some point or another, a large amount of people followed them. Mm, right yeah. for something and there's a high likelihood that we would have made a mistake to either be a european conqueror settler to be a nazi to be a whatever in the time that that existed and was the popular political right there's gonna be a ton of people in your country in the next 15 years are gonna be like i didn't vote trump no no i didn't vote him. nope nope <laughs> but you know they did right be but right. nobody wants to be on the wrong end of history right yes yes and and I think but history are... will show that they won something. Yes. So there was enough of them to fight for some sort of injustice or in their mind, static morality. Right. Yeah, I think we yeah. talked about it in your stream a couple of days ago about the, you know, the rise of like Hitler in, in Nazi Germany and just how he, he took a very disgruntled, very frustrated group of people and found these causes to throw together in a pot and was very charismatic and was very forthcoming and it was like i have solutions i have ideas and was just a great politician and speaking to people was very, was a great speaker and it's that charisma that led people to follow him and then just start and it just became so corrupted i mean it was arguably very corrupted from the start but like just all these things fell into the pot that just turned it into just 
what we know of it in history now and i mean same thing with stalin same thing with like you know the mongols or european conquerors or just like list any conqueror in history it's is it is it something in humanity to want to be imperialist and expand and to just get your ideas and make the next person forcefully believe them i don't know well i think it goes back to what we were talking about when i when i started to relate the words uh culture cultivate and cult right so people will join a cult and in a cult you cultivate a certain culture uh uh <laughs> I, I I think that humanity. I, like that I think that people <laughs> say again. Sorry. I like that phrase. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, I'm thinking carefully what words to say because I want to say we have a right to, but I don't think we we have very little rights when it comes to these kinds of things. We have the right to I don't know I don't know uh, what our God given rights are if you know what I mean. Pardon the term. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. um but I think that we have a natural inclination to come together and create societies and label one thing as bad and good. So we have no problem labeling. Uh, I mean, clearly, if you look at what's happening in Haiti today, a group of people thought their leader was something bad. And so they killed him. Uh, you know, they assassinated the president and people will always come together to purge what they consider to be evil, vile, sinful, right? right. Like this, this, with this existing, we can never have a good society is what they'll, how they'll justify it. So I think people will always fight over what is the right way to use this land. Who is the righteous people? Who are the righteous people? What is the right way to do things? We're never going to fully agree on that ever, 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 ever. War is inevitable. It's just a, it's just that I don't think we've seen a natural war for 120 years. Maybe well, World probably war since World War One, I, I would say. Even more so than World War Two. I would say so, because World War One felt like the tipping point among nations. Uh, like it was tension that had built up, built up really that just, you know, it took that one shot and bam. Yeah. Uh, World War II, to me, it felt like a power move by the Americans. Uh, it felt like a very sort of, you know, if you look at the way America took a bunch of territories after World War II, it was like, oh, we're just going to take these two and call yeah. them ours. And also, we're going to make the UN now. And Japan, you're not allowed to have a military anymore because you were bad guys. And uh, I think there's a lot of restrictions. It was a power grab by a lot of countries is what I thought. I think the Americans didn't really want to get involved until the Germans were started to do real things. It's just like the Russians didn't really right. want to until they came knocking on their door. These two powers were more focused on their own thing and realized we can take this major player away, Russia. Yeah. Right. And then it'll just be you and us. Which is what it ended up. It's that's where we are today, right? Yeah, I, I was talking with my wife about this a few days ago, like like in a very grand, big looking view back on it. Um, we're talking about like why America is a superpower, why it's like the leading economic force in the world. And so much of what has made our country so powerful, so rich, so X, Y and Z really does stem back to World War Two specifically when Europe was getting bombarded, getting overthrown by Nazi Germany like Hitler was just 
conquering all over Europe, turning to Russia. You know, the Japan was invading like China, invading um, yep. like all the, the seas and everything. And America, I don't know if this is good or bad. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's because there's so many black and white and gray and all of that. But like America didn't really get involved in the war until like the ninth hour when Japan yeah. bombed America. And then that was the yep. sign where it's like, okay, now we're going to go to war. But by that point, you know, 80% of the war was already done. And when you're bringing yep. in a superpower with more oil, tanks, and like nuclear a ton bombs. of people, nuclear bombs at the end really? of it. But like going into yep. Europe when Europe was completely devastated after World War II, most of the coming, you know, decades, Europe was spent like rebuilding their countries yep. back up. Whereas America, at, yeah, it would, they still are. And America, right after the World War II, we just came home oh. and yeah, we had tons of money. We were like us yep. and the Soviet Union were like the two main superpowers in the world. So, yep. you know, and then the Soviet Union ended up falling in, in the 80s and 90s or the, the nine, late or early 90s. So, yeah. so much of why America is so powerful and economically able to pull strings and be this, you know, almost dare I say police state of the world does stem back to world war two and, and getting involved late at the end of the game when they probably should have gotten involved earlier, but it's like, it just comes to the point. Like, do you get involved in someone else's war before they attack you? Do you wait until you're attacked? Are you defensive? Are you offensive? But it led us to where we are today. Well, I think that like, you know, there was a there was a power grab for the world at, at World War Two, especially, you know, Hitler was going to take Europe and then he honestly, he probably could have taken Europe. He he made the mistake of trying to take Russia. Right. Like, right. That, that was his mistake. Uh, but then then you would have had Germany. You would have had uh, Soviet Union, America, Soviet Union. America would have absorbed Canada by then because we wouldn't have had our parent country in Great Britain. We would have been a lost puppy. It would have only made sense. So then America's got that side of the world. That is the new United States of America. And Japan has all of China. Like there's three, four territories in the world. Right. right? Uh, that would pretty much be it. Same with Australia it would be absorbed. Germany would basically claim the empire. America decided this is an opportune chance for us to go out there establish ourselves as the superpower and we're going to you know like after dropping the bomb on japan it was like you do whatever we say now because right. we have the power to kill every person in your country you just saw it twice right and they're like shit we'll do whatever you want you right. want Wars access over. to our islands you want these islands those are yours uh and they claimed a lot of territory and set themselves up to be in the position that you guys are today with bases all over the world watching every little place yes yes that's a whole nother conversation we probably don't have time to dive into it but i'm extremely passionate and not a good way about the, the military does it too, right and russia does it too it's right. part of being a world power right uh and you're right this is a conversation for another day but something to think about in case anybody thinks we're doing any bashing is when we ask ourselves these questions about why these other nations and me, I come from Canada, right? So I do get to enjoy socialized healthcare, things like this, that a lot of other countries, smaller countries in the quote unquote Western world get to enjoy that your country does not. We also, there's another question that I haven't quite answered. Maybe it's something to think about for both of us and for anybody listening is 
a lot of these smaller countries get to exist under the the military umbrella of the United States. So and NATO. Like Canada gets to specialize in our military. A lot of other countries get to specialize, spend way less money. And America's like you think about playing StarCraft and you make your your tons of first units, right? right. You send off all, that's America. And right. more expensive units are the tiny ones. So they get to we we get to spend less on our military because we exist under an economy and a military economy that is the United States. Do you think so yeah, is it do we owe do we owe that something? Is it because of that that we're allowed to do this? Is the American freedom actually the one making the entire Western world able to be like this? Right, right. And I mean, so much of that too is is with how much money the United States pours into militaries and and bases and stuff, especially with NATO. Um, you know, in Europe, like that has allowed Scandinavian countries the opportunity to not have to, or just so many countries to not have to put so much money into their military that they can spend a little bit extra on stuff like healthcare and education and parental leave and stuff. Um, whereas, yep. you know, the United States spends more money on our military than like the next 13 countries combined or some crazy shit like that. But does that serve to keep the Western world, right. I'll say it again, alive, right. Right? right? And to what benefit does that, does that serve the majority of people? I don't know. That's just, That's I don't a, know if I have the answer for that, but it's right. an interesting thing to think about because it's very easy to want to say, even I'm sure as an American, we're fucking everything up. Uh, we're the root cause of all the shit in the world right. today. It's like, yeah, but whenever I think of something negative like that, I always try to think, well, what if, what if other side, they didn't spend on their military. Would Russia have invaded Europe? I mean, well, with Russia China? invaded Canada because right. we're right there, right? Right, right. And why wouldn't they? That's that's a lot of fresh water, a lot of oil. That's a lot of, oh, we got a lot of resources up here, right? It's interesting listening to some politicians because there's a lot of politicians who are very like, we should withdraw all of our military back to the US and we should essentially like cut the cost of our military budget so we can invest in things like better infrastructure or healthcare or like education and stuff. But then there are those other politicians who do say like, you know, I, I've been to the you know Middle East or I've been to, you know, Soviet Union, now Russia. And and the reason the world is as you know, I don't know if balanced is the word, but somewhat balanced as it is, yeah. is because yeah. of this police state powerhouse that is the United States. And I don't I don't know. I mean, I think a solution would be coming in the middle and, and for the US to spend less on military and to have less military bases and for a lot of these other countries around the world to spend a little bit more and just become like a collective yep. unit. But then at the I same agree. time, does that become a world military and who's in charge of the world military? And then you start getting into big questions of, you know, what is country territory versus what's like a war like yeah, that that's it can divulge are we allowed quickly. to have a cultural philosophy anymore no because yeah. if we just become homogenized like that where we all live under one worldview well then then it means nothing to be an american versus being a somalian or being yeah. uh chinese or being mongolian it means there's no distinction because we just we all work towards one thing and actually you know there are countries that want to do that there are government policies in some countries that want that to be the case uh in a very but, black mirror way in a very dark tech future way i mean like 
Do you think that could work out where we get to a point hundreds or thousands of years in the future where we finally have decided like the only country is humankind is Earth? We're all one under one collective together government and like cultures all across everywhere can stay the same, but we're going to be one collective human race. Or do you think there's just going to be too much fighting between groups all over the world to ever make that happen? Well, I'll say that I think that this you asked me at the start <clears throat> who my if there's any sort of philosophers that I look at um, and I sort of stand out to me and I said Thomas Hobbes and Jean-Jacques Rousseau and I think and this is nice that it comes to this because they talked they argued the importance of a sovereign whether somebody in charge is a good thing or whether somebody in charge is a bad thing so a world government it kind of on the surface it doesn't taste very good to me that sounds like uh, an elimination of culture that sounds like an elimination of uh how a lot of people that that sounds like we would have to determine one right way of living and that mm. seems like a really hard thing to do for us i don't think we would all agree on that point uh, quick on that do you think it could ever come something the way like the united states is structured where you have like states with their own rules and then an overarching federal government like maybe Canada's still there, Mexico's still there, Germany and Japan, they're still there, but there's one collective, like, worldwide government that's kind of uh, over the heads of everything. Do you think some Well, kind the of, UN maybe? tries to act like that. Right, right. But, but, um, again, the, the scary thing about power. that is that we, we have to have a common philosophy. We'd have to have a common, uh, goal. societal and cultural goal. Yeah. And who's to say that my goal for a happy life and a good life is the same as yours and it shouldn't necessarily be we're two different people right right uh so it's a it would be a lot easier uh if we wanted to do things like explore mars and do all these things yes it'd be a lot easier if we all did it together but but you know it's it'd be a lot easier to create new music and new foods and things if we did if we kind of let ourselves go into different societies and traded with each other and visited each other and appreciated each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think the answer is no, 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 no. I think actually if it's any, especially looking at America and Canada, like North America is a really good example of a place that will eventually break into many different little countries. Yeah. Uh, I've thought you know, about that. Cause where you and I live have, we as citizens of this part of the, the the continent have way more in common and not only in likes uh and wants and what we would want uh our taxes to pay for there are kinds of education because geolocation does matter right we're informed by the same forest fires that go around near us we're informed by the same climate patterns and somebody in ontario would have a lot of this more of the similar political leanings and wants from somebody from New York and from Michigan, right? So you've heard of things like Cascadia, right? Yeah, Where, yeah. Yeah, I, I, as far-fetched as some people may say that is, I see that as being eventually, maybe not in our lifetimes, probably something that will happen because it only makes sense that the people in this region, once the forest fires get so bad, will want to just have a system where the forest fires are really bad in British Columbia and the Washington ones can come up and help and, and there's free movement because it just makes more sense. They're, these forests are the same forests. They just span a border, you know? Yeah, right, right. So I think eventually we're just going to get sick of trying to govern these long countries with separation in between people, right? 
totally agree i think there's i mean at least in the united states specifically like you there it's there's at least five or six different chunks where you could just split these off into their own countries with their own kind of governance and yep. you know people in the south can have whatever less yep. taxes and no health care and all whatever they want to do and you know people whatever on the west coast you know if, if we want to go into that like socialized medicine socialized education system like and there's so many people from each part of these you know uh each part of these locations that think similarly like and the only thing binding us together is this overarching federal government that's like oh no 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 we all have to come to agreement it's like why do we have to come to agreement when people yeah. on the west coast are so different in their thinking to people yeah. in the south um well just look at who look at a map of where legalized pot that right. tells you everything because <laughs> right. it's all centralized in one area and that it, like and I would ask people listening not to think of just weed, like for, take the weed out of the, it, it's an example of people having common interests and common desires, right? right? They tend to group up in a certain geolocation. It could be legalizing heroin. Maybe I shouldn't think of drugs. It could be banning fossil fuels, right? Yeah. Sure. Banning you would fossil find fuels. them, you would find people locate in the same geolocation, right? Right. Because the same issues that affect the Salt Spring Islands in British Columbia affect, uh, God, what are the f the San Juans uh, mm -hmm. in off of off of Washington, right? Yeah, it's the same land, right? So the, the people are just as concerned for it, you know. Totally agree. The, the federal border doesn't mean anything. Totally agree. And you know, if people want to call us like crazy ass liberals or whatever, that's, that's totally fine because there are other places that they can live with. And, and that's been a big thing. I've always, I don't know if I'm like secretly conservative in that way in my brain, but like, I've always thought states in the United States should have more impact on just their specific, I don't know, their specific structures or, or medicine or education, like states should have more of an impact. So if you don't like something in California, that is totally fine. You can move somewhere to Texas or Florida. And it's, it's, it is vastly different because the states oh, yeah. have that much power, but we live in a place where states have like a little bit of, a little bit of difference between each one of them. And then the federal government kind of overarches everything. And I, I see why that's good for some aspects, like maybe a military, but in roads. other roads between all, all the yep. states and countries and everything. But at the other side, I mean, if people hate the, the politics of California, that's totally fine because there could yeah. be other states that they can go to and have a different experience. And maybe it's better, maybe it's worse, but like, we'll never be able to try these different systems. If we're both trying to come together on them, like, let's just, I'm, I'm open-minded that we should separate them out and, and have different chunks and different well, governments. Those, those words like liberal and conservative have been co-opted in True. a really weird way. And I'll take, and I'll give you great examples of why they're actually the opposite of each other. It's a very conservative idea to do something like create a rooftop patio where you grow your own food. Why? Because that's creating your own food source in your own town, Not supplying taxed. your own right no yeah like you're just you're not shipping out to anywhere else you're employing the people of your town your right. people people that look like you talk like you uh that's an incredibly conservative idea to have you know say locally sourced foods 
It's a very liberal idea. The liberals were the ones, the original liberal idea were the ones who, the general tenet of liberalism is to say, it's to find use in something. It's to find proper use of land. It, and it was really, liberalism is what we use to justify taking the land from the Aboriginal people here and saying, we're gonna use this land better. So what you hear on the news now with the words liberal and conservative are very, they're, they're buzzwords designed to label you something yes. that don't really mean anything. Yes. I've been called a liberal so often and I'm just like, man, I am so far from a liberal. You have no <laughs> idea what that is. I'm more of a conservative, but if, but, if, but, but not you're a conservative. <laughs> like, right. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like I'm not a bot. I wouldn't j vote for any conservative party person because <laughs> that's not the thing. I mean, a huge problem. I mean, at least in the American system, which I think is very unique to America and maybe very select few countries is the fact that corporations can just massively lobby politicians with millions of dollars to do their bidding. And it's like, you know, if you're a politician, do you want to do all these campaigns for, for all these, you know, main street gatherings for all these people in your constituents? Or do you just want to go to the big Amazon that's in your town yeah. and be like, hey, you know, I'll do what's in your interest if you sign me a million dollar check or whatever. It doesn't go directly to them, but it goes to a pack that further oh, funds yeah. them if you align with their vision. So yeah, I, oh, it, it goes to them. It the goes end. to them. But I, I know some people in the US are like, well, you can't technically give someone a million dollars. If you line with the Democrats philosophy or the Republicans philosophy, their pack will feed you the money indirectly, which you still get the money. So and do um, you think they, they follow the law all the time? No, they no, clearly don't. Because no. every single year, there's a huge story that breaks the board Borders. It goes over the borders onto my national news about somebody breaking the law in the United States government. Uh, yeah. Somebody inv investigated for corruption. Like, yeah. they never follow the rules anyway. I but, think, uh, uh, like, sorry. If, uh, I, I think at least uh, just one last thing on like the US government that I, I, if anybody listening to this, I really hope you just internalize it and know this in your soul. Regardless of what your opinion is on literally any single issue, anything in the world, money and politics is the cancer in our society and nothing Sorry. can we cannot even have a discussion about climate change or healthcare or education or military or anything we can't even begin to have that conversation until we take the cancer out of our society that is money and politics so that's something I i'm super passionate about couldn't agree more and i guess the last thing i'd say about that is an interesting thing to think about is there's often this talk about russian oligarchies and how Putin yes. selected all these people to own industry and he's basically put billions in other people's hands. Well, in America, uh, it's kind of like that, except the, the leader of the free world is below the oligarchs. So in Russia, the leader of their their thing gets to if if the Jeff Bezos of Russia goes out of line, then Putin goes, no. You're right. out of here. I'm going to put somebody new in that spot. And in America, if the president does something, then the corporation leaders go, no. No, we're going to get somebody new in here. So, right. Some food for thought. Food for thought when if anybody's one, you know, thinks so oh, this country does it the right way and this one does it the wrong way. It's every country does it the same way. They just find a way to spin it. Spin it in their own way. Yeah, we're all on the same side everybody. I promise you like we all just want a better yeah. world and, you know, we're our brains are being hijacked by mainstream media and corporations and lay, putting labels on everybody that this person's the problem and that person the liberals a problem, the democrats a problem, the republicans a problem. Like we all just want the same thing and that's to have a better world and, you know, if if they keep making us point fingers at each other, We'll never be able to understand that the real problems are the elites and the billionaires and the corporations controlling everything. 
So pursue happiness like Aristotle taught us to, uh, and yes. that pursue true happiness uh, and struggle real struggles, and your life will be a fruitful one, and you will think so much less about politics. I completely agree. Um, <laughs> to kind of wrap everything up, my friend, I do have two final questions that I always love to ask our guests, even though we went on a huge philosophical chunk, which I knew we would, and I'm super excited for it. Um, the answer is no, I don't have your 20 bucks. <laughs> I'll have it next time. Sorry. For I'll my own, the OnlyFans subscription. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, in your words, my friend, what does streaming on Twitch mean to you, Mr. Cranberry Pudding? Uh, it's the first place that I was, I've ever been able to show an unconscious side of me that I think I was unable to show to people because I was too concerned with how I might come off. Twitch to me has been a place that is mine. I can say whatever I want as childish, as disgusting. And you've, you've been to my streams. There's no rules pretty much. The, the, the only rule is like, you know, vibe check. Right. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not hitting the vibe, then scoot and I'll ban you. Right. Uh, but it's pretty easy. Um, live. It's I, I want everybody to feel like they're on the couch and I feel like I'm on the couch with all y'all when I'm playing it because we're just shooting the shit and playing video games. Right. And I think that actually lends itself nicely to fighting games, too, because fighting games, which I play a lot on my stream for anybody that hasn't checked it. It's uh, they're very much those couch games that you went to your buddy's house after after school and played Mortal Kombat or played Street yes. Fighter or something, you know, mindlessly. So I've, I, I, to me, it's like recreating that and having those those really sort of cool and important social moments where people are relaxed and trying to, like, ah, the day's over. Right. Like let's let's play some Street Fighter. Let's hang out with some friends, relax, yeah. have a drink, play some games. Yeah, that's what Twitch has really been to me. And just being able to do it so comfortably, knowing that it's mine and I get to decide the rules. It's such a great way to socialize with people too and to find people from all around the world that you probably would have never met regardless and just yep. build relationships with them that hopefully will last years to come. Absolutely. Final one for you, my friend. Where can all of our viewers and listeners connect with you online? Well, the obvious place where you really want to look is is probably uh, twitch.tv slash cranberry pudding. Uh, and on through there, you can find all my links, to all my social media stuff. I have been posting a little bit more on uh, Twitter lately. I can't guarantee that that's going to be a thing going forward. But I do have an Instagram with nothing on it. And I do have a YouTube with nothing on it yet. But you know what? You're there. Just click follow anyway. Who knows? One day... The new George Clooney flick will premiere on my <laughs> channel or something. And we will be here first to see it. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to this week's episode of the Zephcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm. It really does help the channel out a lot. Um, and if you want to see more of your favorite content creators, streamers, and podcasters in the near future, don't forget to subscribe. It's absolutely free to do so. And we'll be having even more exciting content coming up soon. Thank you all again so much for watching. Zephyr's XP, Cranberry Pudding. And I will catch you all in the next one, my friends. Much love, everybody.